Greetings, brothers and sisters in Christ. Welcome to another episode of the Innocence Redeemed Podcast. I'm your host, Ray Bergman, and on this particular podcast, I was a guest on JPH Radio with Glenda Lomax, and the topic of the podcast was depression, weariness, and feeling beat down. And many are going through that right now, so I thought you guys might want to check that out and hear it. Currently got a few other projects in the works, so be staying tuned for those. But without delay, here's the podcast. Enjoy, guys. Thank you so much for joining me today on Just Praise Him Radio. I'm your host, Glenda Lomax, and my job is to inspire you to a closer walk with Christ. Now here's the show. Hello, believers. Welcome to the Just Praise Him radio program. I'm your host, Glenda Lomax, and the title of my message today is Depression, Weariness, and Feeling Beat Down. And I have my two friends, Ray Bergman and Tom Bixer, on with me. Welcome to the show, Ray and Tom. Thanks, Glenda. It's great to be back. It's great to be here again, Glenda. Today, we're going to talk about some things that so many of us have been feeling for some time now. Depression, weariness, and just generally feeling beat down. Between COVID-19 and the shenanigans the American government is pulling, us folks over here stateside are feeling this a lot, y'all. Tom, you had said you felt this is a slippery subject. Could you elaborate on that for the listeners? Hey, Glenda, yeah. You know, it's like we know we're fighting a Leviathan, but all we can do is spot glimpses of it or sometimes try to grab it by a fin or a tail. Slippery indeed, right? You know, this is why we've seriously wrestled with some things while preparing this podcast. Depression is a difficult subject to address with any broad degree of understanding and compassion. And that's because it's so often highly personal and so difficult to touch. Depression is actually an amalgam or a mixture or blend of several things going on at once. That's really interesting. I think most of us right now are feeling really beat down. I know I am, and so many around me are as well. I've had numerous weeks lately where I just feel like somebody beat the stuffing out of me, where I'm fighting something, but I cannot seem to win the battle against it. And add to that the helplessness of watching our freedom circling the drain, and it can really get to you if you're not careful to keep your eyes on the Lord. Some of the verses I've been thinking on are like Isaiah 26, 3, especially, that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. And y'all listen to the two verses that follow Isaiah 26, 3, because this is really interesting, I think, for our time. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. For he brings down them that dwell on high, the lofty city. He lays it low. He lays it low even to the ground. He brings it even to the dust. Now, I don't watch TV. There's never anything uplifting in it, so why give that any of your time or energy? You still hear bits and pieces, though, of what's happening or see the Internet headlines. So whenever what is happening around us really starts to get to me, I just focus on the Lord and I'll either pray or praise for a while or turn on worship music. And then I'll thank him that he is going to avenge all that is happening and bring it right down on the heads of the wicked who are behind it. And you all know what I'm talking about. You know, there's just there's so much persecution and peer pressure due to the current issues. And there's a lot of fear that surrounds that, too. And that's all going on at the same time. It feels kind of chaotic. And the current persecution is, of course, nothing compared to what is going to be like before long. 
I think depression is a sign we feel helpless to affect the situation at hand. What do y'all think? Well, yes. And this is why, as fellow believers, we're looking at some ways to identify and address and to at least mitigate or relieve with the goal of overcoming what assails us all. I agree with that. And I second that, Tom. And it's one thing to know something is going on by being aware, just as Jesus told us many events would be taking place. But knowing that and knowing it's beyond our control, our trust in him needs to be what is forefront. Because, you know, the Lord, he's a rock. He's not going to leave us nor forsake us. Oh, yeah, that's exactly right. Amen. Amen. Nahum 1.7, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows who trust him. And then if we look at Psalm 9.9, the Lord will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. You know, as we trust in Jesus in times of trouble, we then move on to encourage others in their faith. And by continuing to do works by faith, I believe lifting up others in this way can help with a lot of the issues concerning anxiety. And they can help with the issues of depression. But we should also identify some of the causes. Yeah, you know, malaise and lethargy can get a grip on anyone young or old. But for the aging, it can be amplified through loss of friends and loved ones, like as in outliving them, or challenges associated with fixed incomes, such as in retirement, or slowing down physically and often mentally, too, or having to depend on assistance from others, or not feeling useful, or living alone and suffering from deep loneliness. Isolation is a sign of our times. And in fact, isolation is now plaguing many, regardless of age. People are suffering right now unspeakably as a result of this. I agree. I've spent a lot of time in isolation just because I was always a loner. And it does produce a loneliness that is very deep within you, that just grows and grows. And the pandemic has made all of this so much worse. So many people are isolated now through no fault of their own. Another thing, you know, we should note is if you know someone who isolates a lot, isolation can be caused by unhealed grief. I did not know that until 2018 when I was writing the rest of the Grief Companion Study Guide, that I was still grieving my younger brother's death from 1987. That is 31 years old. I did my math right. Anyway, he passed just before I left my marriage to my children's father, and there was just not time to fully grieve while also learning to be a single mom and trying to stay alive. So the grief was eventually put on a back burner while I dealt with surviving. Yeah, and Glenda, the danger in that is that it's all repressed. You know, I too once was a loner, and as a result, I developed a drinking problem for years. I mean, I didn't do it every day, but I did so enough when I wasn't working or doing something else. But looking back, it was the loneliness, and it was also trying to numb the feelings of sadness I had. You know, it doesn't just affect the elderly. A lot of people think it's just only about the elderly. It can affect everybody from all ages and, you know, just anywhere. Loneliness and depression, you know, they can affect any age group, and it can lead to feelings of unworth if it's left unchecked. Yes, and so we can see that depression as a result of isolation has never been just a plague on the elderly as it was once commonly thought to be. Depression is a pandemic in and of itself. We can treat viruses, but a dying or a downtrodden spirit is another matter altogether. It's a much more serious condition. Amen. I agree. And, you know, we look at the current situations people are seeing here in our own country and around the world. Sure, it's easy to get upset about those, but have we stopped to consider that the Lord is using these circumstances to lead more people to him or bring them to repentance? I I saw a a documentary the other day and everybody thinks that everything's falling apart. 
where in reality, everything in the word is starting to come together. You know, we should be helping the Lord to hurry it along. Second Peter 3, verses 11 through 13. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live, looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and new earth he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. You know, the situations we face at times are only as bad as we initially perceive it, but not everything is what it seems. We need to be willing to step back and see the bigger picture. So true. The Lord has even told us again and again that things are not as they appear. Right. And I received that in my spirit as well some time ago. I remember you and I actually talking about that, that things are not what they seem. Well, and I believe that much of the battle is fought on levels of perception or what we've come to know as perspective. Depression or a downtrodden spirit indicates an attack on perspective as related to thinking, feeling, and acting. Yes, and these are the things that we need to ask ourselves and reflect on. You know, the Lord wants us to examine our hearts and seek Him in direction in what He desires us to do. You know, we need to be giving the Lord the glory He deserves, not sitting in the corner waiting for Jesus to return when there are works of faith to be done. You know, in other words, that which the Lord is empowering us to do in His Word. We know the Lord is going to recompense those perpetuating evil. Isaiah 41.11 Behold, all they that were incensed against thee shall be ashamed and confounded. They shall be as nothing, and they that strive with thee shall perish. Amen. Yeah, and regarding Isaiah 41.11, the Lord says that recompense or vengeance rests with or belongs to him, not to us. So we're commanded to refrain from repaying evil with evil in the way of taking things into our own hands. And so the question becomes, why don't we just be about our father's business? I think that's the mindset we ought to adopt. You know, much of what feeds depression can be arrested when we choose to do this. We can otherwise, though, risk serious spiritual entrapment if we're not aware of this. Right. So what can we do while we are biding our time, waiting for the Lord's glorious return? Well, taking the situation and turning it to good for starters, you know, doing those works by faith. You know, Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. You know, so much depression could be alleviated by simply being doers of the word. I mean, one such example is that so many of us have excellent testimonies. So why are we afraid to share them? For fear of offending? For fear of judgment by others? We know what the word says about not judging others. But also note that word fear. Why are we so afraid to do the Lord's will in regards to lifting others up? Have we stopped to consider that by being that shining light, that it would be spiritually fulfilling? You know, 2 Corinthians 5.9 says, Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as you are already doing. Though I'm not proud of any of my past sins, you know, I share them so as to say, look, if I did this or I did that, and the Lord redeemed me and cleansed me by his blood, he can and will redeem you too. I put this into perspective because there's many out there who feel that they're unworthy of forgiveness. I mean, is, it, is this what keeps us from feeling worthy of lifting others up? Are they feeling unqualified to help others out in their distress? Could it be that this could account for lack of cohesion within Christian circles? You know, the Holy Spirit enables us to do so much more than we could ever imagine. 
I so agree. While we're on this point, I want to share a message the Lord gave us called While It Is Day. My children struggle to understand all that is happening right now. It's natural you struggle. My ways are not your ways. I have told you all scripture must be fulfilled, that you may all be called home to me. Some of you cry that your circumstances are not optimal, and I say to you, learn to abase and abound. Some of you cry because you miss the past, but I say to you, work while it is still day. Do not grieve over what cannot be changed. Some of you cry that your governments oppress you, but I tell you, far worse persecution is coming than what you see now. In time soon coming, my people will lay down their lives for believing in me. And those who do shall have great and mighty rewards in heaven like nothing you could ever imagine. Work while it is day, my children. Bring the last of the lost souls into my kingdom. The end of all things approaches quickly, and great are the rewards of those who win souls. Well, Glenda and Ray, it's all about the above and more. You know, it's, it's also clear that fear is more often than not the common denominator. Just like countless others, I've been hindered by fear especially when sharing my own testimonies. I still hesitate about what to share and what not to share, but the overall point is to share, you know, to withhold in this time, to share nothing at all with others is not a good thing. It never was because the purpose of the Lord's intervention on our behalf was always and continues to be about victory over evil and death. It's about overcoming. It's about bringing things into the light. You can't overcome something unless you know what it is and confront it. Right. Right. And, you know, in regards to isolation versus unity, what does the word say about unity? Well, for starters, Jesus said, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And, you know, for reference, that's in Matthew 18, 20 for the listeners. So when the Lord is present, where two or more are gathered, why would we refuse that? I mean, that would be his presence. Further, let's look at Philippians 2, verses 1 through 4. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Moving on to verse 3, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out, not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And how often is it we forget to do this? You know, there's more to encouraging others than simply throwing a random verse out there and just walking away. Put it into context, you know, teach others what the Lord is speaking to you in that word as it relates, because you'd be surprised how helpful that would be to others. 1 Corinthians 2.13 These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. You know, the Lord has opened many doors for us to be able to encourage one another, but how many of us heed his calling? You know, in other words, be a doer of the word. James 1.22 says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Jesus gave us the parable as believers to be the salt and light in Matthew 5, verses 13 and 14, and I had mentioned that earlier. Starting on verse 13, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, 
nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. You know, be an example for all. Moving on to verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Can I interject something right there? Sure. The, the reason that the Lord is talking about the salt of the earth is salt tastes different than whatever you put it on. We are supposed to be different. If we are the same as the world, then we're fit to be thrown out. I just wanted to make that point real quick. Absolutely. That, that is a perfect description or analogy. And, and yes, we're, we're to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We're to take a genuine interest in one another. Jesus's work gets done through us. Amen. And in other words, take the sadness, take the depression for what it's worth and turn it around. Use it for good. You know, speak up. Don't wait for someone else to do it. You know, be that person who hasn't lost their seasoning because, you know, it's going to make you feel better when you are that light that's shining for others who are in dark places. And then you're encouraging them so that they're not down and depressed. Exactly, Ray. Uh, Depression is often accompanied by a sense of crushing inertia, a spirit of why bother? This is despair talking. Depression ushers in despair. This is not of the Lord. It's it's as dark and as wicked as can be. Oh, that is so true. And that is that's so profound, Tom. Depression ushers in despair. Depression ushers in despair. That's so good. That is despair talking. I've experienced that inertia before, and I've heard that despair before. You can fight your way through it with praise and worship, but you have to be willing to push to get yourself started. Because the truth is, when you're going through depression or weariness or any of that, you don't really feel like fighting much. You can also war against depression on a spiritual level by canceling all attacks of depression against you in Jesus' name and casting that spirit of depression and despair out into the abyss in Jesus' name. And you can decree Isaiah 54, 17 every day, too. Let me read Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Oh, yeah. You know, and inertia, I think, is actually fear and exhaustion combined like a cocktail. It's poisonous. And so this is where decrees against it are powerful and do actually work. You know, our decrees disrupt evil spiritual strongholds. They tear through them like when ripping apart a woven fabric. They cause damage on the dark side. They really do. Yes. And, you know, I had addressed being that shining light for someone else. But also think of all the times you went through something and how the Lord saw you through it. I mean, if you are fortunate enough not to be going through something and see someone else who is, be a testimony to them of the Lord's strength and mercy. He's blessed you. Now go bless them. You know, these are the testimonies that will help others. All of us have an ability to turn a bad situation into good or use it to our advantage to encourage someone else. And when you do that, you'd be surprised how much better you feel because you are doing what is pleasing to the Spirit, you know, like I was saying earlier. And if you aren't sure, ask the Lord what he would have you do. Because if it's in agreement with his word, which, I mean, lifting others up and helping them is, I can assure you he will direct your ways. Proverbs 16.3 says, commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. And you know, there's an importance to see what your spiritual gifts are, as this can help you discern what the Lord may be asking you to do. You may be in a wilderness and feel like you're drifting without direction. 
I know that when I was in mine, I had to seek the Lord continuously to understand what he would have me do. And even though it took a while, I didn't cease asking him. You know, understanding where your spiritual strengths are, are as important so you don't feel you're wandering without that purpose. You know Jesus loves even the one lost sheep. He desires his sheep to find their way no matter what they may be going through. And it's important we understand what the Lord wants us to be doing. Because having wisdom to know what our calling is will provide significant relief from anxiety. You know, anxiety, it's a life-draining byproduct of depression. Oh, amen. That is so true. Oh, and I want to say something, too. Um, Years ago, around Thanksgiving, the time that we're approaching, I went and visited a place that served Thanksgiving dinner to the needy. And I took my then teenage children with me. I can't tell you what a life-changing experience that is. So if you're feeling those things, that would be something you could look at doing. Oh, yes. You know, so then we can step outside of ourselves, out of our own echo chambers by giving to and doing for others. You know, there's nothing worse than being in an echo chamber. All you hear is yourself. You don't hear others. And, and by doing this, we can significantly alleviate depression or even keep it at bay. This really does have an effect like antivenom, a mitigating effect so that the toxic situation doesn't go on to reach a deadly threshold, kind of like medically, such as with poisoning or a blood infection. And, and this goes on to nourish and console and lift up and can even have major healing effects on the recipient as a result of our deeds and gifts for them. A very powerful thing a person can do is to go online or meet with a church group, perhaps, to do a spiritual gifts inventory. This is an enormously valuable thing to do. You know, depression and weariness almost always work in tandem. Depression and weariness will lead to discouragement. It's just a fact. It just does that. And, and weariness is a precursor to exhaustion. Passivity is not and cannot be the answer. Living for oneself is not the answer. Much can be done. Some examples are, just simply, for elders, let the young into your lives. And for the young, let elders show and teach you. Make or bake something with your hands and give it away. For the young, shop for an older person. For the older person, trust the young. Show someone how to do something you're good at. We all have things we're good at, every one of us. Volunteer to do something in the community, either one time or on a recurring basis. Discouragement is actually of demonic origin. It, it may actually be a, a demon with a matching personality whose mission is to create doubt, second-guessing, malaise, downheartedness, and paralyzing sadness. I mean, guys, I've been there so deeply into it. We've all been there. Yeah. You know, mm. these are all known characteristics of depression. Frank Peretti's well-known 1986 novel called This Present Darkness includes a chilling physical and psychological depiction of a destructive little demon named discouragement. Thus, knowing one's enemy is part of a vital strategy for fighting back effectively and winning. And let's not forget at this point to mention distraction, which is a diabolical method for instilling fear, confusion, division of mind and fellowship, and rampant anxiety. You are so right. I think it can be helpful, too, to look at the cause of the depression and weariness you're feeling. At different times, I've gotten down from overwork, which I do to myself. We all know. 
Sometimes it's an attack from the enemy. Sometimes it's a state of the current affairs and how we know as Christians that we are even now being portrayed as haters and severely persecuted for our beliefs. We have long known this is coming. The word of God tells us how the end times will be. But that don't make it any easier to face, does it? There's a lot of fear connected to this for those not facing it yet. And I think we have to remember that none of this came as a surprise to our mighty God. None of this caught him off guard which means he already has made a plan for us. So if we can just keep our eyes on him and keep praising and worshiping our way through it, then we can be calm too and bring him glory at the same time. Absolutely, Glenda. And so what about those 3 a.m. moments? What does that mean? The famous American writer F. Scott Fitzgerald wrote, quote, in a real dark night of the soul, it is always three o'clock in the morning, day after day. I love that. Yeah. It's like the definition of torture. You know, this is from a collection of letters, notes, and essays first published in 1936, known as The Crack Up. You know, Fitzgerald's collection provides insight into the mind of the writer during a low period in his life. For example, he cites the ability to see that things are hopeless or may appear to be hopeless and yet remain determined to make them otherwise. And my personal observation is that this is where hope girds up faith and where through faith, victory can be found. Amen to that. So let's look at what we do know. We know we are going to heaven and that it's likely not too long from now. We know that the wicked will receive their just rewards because our God is never mocked. And talking about walking through adversity, just recently, I came across an old journal entry on my laptop about this very thing. It was from January 27, 2012. It was about five or six weeks before the Wilderness Companion was published. And I wrote, the most powerful worship we can offer up, like David and Job and Jehoshaphat, is worship in the dark. And I mean dark times. When we are in terrible pain, I was praying about the coming time of great sadness and grief he has told me about. And he said, can you do this for me? This is the test of darkness. It slices through the enemy like a knife because he comes to steal your praise from me. I kept seeing a huge sword, very very shiny. I kept seeing a huge sword, very shiny. This is one of the books you will write. If you can do this, I will give you an anointing you won't even believe. Start practicing it now. He also said that grief is because we take our eyes off of him and the overall plan. For you can do nothing for the dead and grieving the sadness of their life only leaves you sad as well. It accomplishes nothing except to get your eyes off me, which is what the enemy desires. Thanks, Glenda. And you know, I'm glad you mentioned that because you had read also earlier that message to your listeners, While It Is Day. And I recently received a similar message on this, not specifically about worship, although I agree that that is a part of it also. But I received a message from the Lord in regards to many of us being focused on the wrong things, you know, like things that are just frivolous. The Lord told me, my people are spending too much time focusing on things that don't matter. And when the Lord said, focusing on things that don't matter, at first I was confused. And I asked the Lord, are you saying that the things we're concerned with are irrelevant? And he responded to me and said, these concerns are not irrelevant, and you should continue to pray for those you are concerned about and that which you need. You should not get caught up in snares or traps of grief, as they are a distraction from what yourself and others need to be doing. And, you know, what he means by this is spend less time worrying and more time praying, more time doing his will, like I was saying earlier. 
you know, if we're worrying more than we're spending time with him, it's the opposite of what he wants from us. And these can also lead to sin and temptation. You know, the Lord continued, you are allowing these concerns to harm your faith by focusing on worldly issues rather than my will for you to help others. Keep your focus on me no matter what anyone else does, because each of you will give an account for your remaining time here. Do not become consumed with the actions or inactions of others where you will be caught up in the snares of judgment or speculation. Steady your focus on me and I will alleviate the concerns you have. It is not my desire for you to worry. My son, you know what my word decrees about worry and belief. Is my grace not sufficient for you? Have I not shown you that I will take care of you? Give these concerns to me, but do not stay stuck on them. You know, when we take a look at 2 Corinthians 12, verses 8 through 10, Concerning this thing I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches in needs and persecutions and distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Wow, that's good. We know that we can believe God for the strength and the courage to endure just for the next hour or one hour, one minute at a time, if that's what it takes to make it until we get called home. And another thing that comes to mind is something my, my friend Nicole always says, that she will deal with whatever problem I'm concerned about on the day that it shows up, but not ahead of time. And I'm trying to learn to think more like that. Why borrow trouble? Sufficient for each day is the evil thereof. And never has that been more apparent than in our time. I'm going to read you Matthew 6, 34. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Absolutely. You know, sometimes that's just what it all comes right down to. Amen, I agree. And we're definitely going through some endurance testing right now. I mean, I'm sure we can all agree on that. I can. My cousin Rhonda once said something I never forgot, that no matter how bad we have it, I promise you there are people somewhere in the world who would love to be us right now. And Rhonda was right. No matter how bad it is, it could always be worse. Indeed, it absolutely could be. In fact, for others, it already is. Yes, and it goes hand in hand with that message earlier myself and Glinda shared. And Glinda, if my memory serves me correct, didn't you post a message not long ago also on the testing and more testing and then the end comes? That was... November 6, 2020, a terrible price for sin. As many of you have realized, you are in a season of testing and being tested again. Do not view these tests as harshness, my children. They are for your benefit. Testing shows you what is in your heart and whether you will obey my commandments as you believe you will or not. Many of my children believe they would never disobey me, and the present test will reveal to them they are wrong. Testing often comes unexpectedly. I desire you would know your own hearts better, that I may guide you forward and strengthen you against sin and what is coming. My children, you will pay a terrible price for sin in the time coming. Your sins in that time and as you enter that time will draw devils to you you cannot imagine, and they will be permitted to torment you. You must realize you will witness new evils you never so much as imagined. Set your heart to obey me in every way and do it. You will be very glad you did. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. And 1 Peter 4.12, 
Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. And let me mention a couple other verses. Psalm 34, 17, the righteous cry and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. In 34, 18, the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saves such as be of a contrite spirit. Uh, you know, Glenda, concerning brokenheartedness, in the end, all we can do is offer our own stories, listen to others with intent and mercy, and go on to seek healing for ourselves and others. That is victory. In an attempt to illustrate some essence of deep grief and the accompanying depression, I'll, I'll read here a consolidated excerpt from one of my stories published in Glenda's Grief Companion Study Guide. If you've read the guide, you'll know the whole story, but here's a description of how we can sometimes find ourselves in dark places, those terrible 3 a.m. places, so to speak, and then realize we must go on in faith in order to overcome. And here's, here's the excerpt. The moon was full. It was a beautiful night. I walked down the slope of the lawn, down to the seawall, along the slip, and walked, and walked, and walked. I listened to the water gently lapping at the piers, looking black and very deep now in contrast with its lovely daytime deep blue and blue-green hues. I then stopped to rest on the cool concrete ledge of the seawall. For a moment, my mind drifted far off, and as I stared down into that gently lapping black water with the moonlight reflecting on its surface, I could feel the misty chill rising up. I shivered. Then I imagined slipping down into it, first to my waist, then up to my neck, then beneath it all the way in over my head. I must have dozed off for a moment as I dreamt that I had gone under, had inhaled deeply the black water, and had sunk to the bottom. In that dream, the summer had turned to fall with its swirling leaves and blustery clouds and sharp breezes. And then beyond, winter's icy grip froze over the surface, thus finally entombing me under the water. I awoke with a start. I was suddenly fearful of falling into the cold, dark water. I trudged up over the lawn, entered the cottage, and fell asleep without a blanket in one of the big easy chairs. And, and I'm going to say here, that that was one of that that was only the beginning of a long and bruising journey through pain on levels i cannot even begin to discuss in this podcast however the lord has done marvelous works of restoration and faith in me since that dark time some 19 years ago the following powerful scripture reminds us of the lord's undying and ever present love for us it comes from isaiah 41:10 fear thou not for i am with thee be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. And then, you know, concerning Isaiah 41.10 in particular, when it comes to being dismayed, we are living in a time of illusion and disillusion. Most people, even when they sometimes say or do evil things, and hey, you know, that would be all of us, right? are actually filled with love. They want to love and to be loved, but they can be fooled because deception runs rampant in these times. This has led to shattered paradigms in terms of fealty, loyalty, trust, and just the general truth and integrity of other people and institutions. Here are some scriptures that, that, address, that help address this. 
Philippians 4, 6. Be careful for nothing but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And, and you know, concerning Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 in particular, I, I'm convinced that depression, weariness, and defeat are manifestations through which hell projects its fate and its despair onto all creation. A part of hell's hatred for us has to do with what we have that it will never have. That is salvation. Hell even hates the innocent animals along with all blameless living things because they reflect the Lord's life-giving creativity. Thus, they, like us, have to suffer indignity and injury in a fallen world. Hell, on the other hand, isn't salvageable in any way. Hell is bereft of any mitigation, relief, reversal, healing, faith, mercy, virtue, or anything else that comes from the Father's loving goodness. For those powers and principalities that opposed him long ago, there's absolutely no hope. Where all is lost and where rage and regret and levels of death and degradation unfathomable to the human mind persist without reprieve. Yet the Lord desires that no child of his, made in his image, would ever perish in such a terrible manner. Well said. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Worry saps the joy from today and accomplishes nothing. Therefore, take no thought for tomorrow. Sufficient for today is the evil thereof, and never has it been more true than now. Let's overcome evil with good every chance we get. Love on everyone you can and store up treasure in heaven because we're going home soon, y'all. A lot of what is going to get us through these times is just remembering we won't be here forever. This too shall pass. We have heaven to look forward to, and the wicked who are having so much fun passing evil laws and working havoc and destruction here, and all those who persecute Christians, are not invited to our party there. The door will be shut to them. God will avenge all that is done to us and all that we lose in this world because of wicked leaders. We keep our side of the street clean by always doing what is right according to the word of God. Praise and worship during dark times can get you through can get you through some of the toughest times you face. I know it has me. Remember, when you don't know what else to do, just praise him. Keep your eyes on Jesus. In the end, he is all that matters. Amen. That's all we have for y'all today. We hope this podcast is a help to you. Uh, thank you so much, Ray and Tom, for your very valuable input and for taking the time to minister to the listeners through the podcast. Ray, do you want to give your website and contact info? Uh, to the listeners? Sure. Well, listeners may reach me via the contact form, and that's available under my About section on my blog, which is innocenceredeemed.blog. Tom, do you want to give any contact information in case anyone has any comments or questions about things you said? Well, sure. Um, I always say I'm just plain old me, and that's still the case. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my uh, my personal email address is tej. Bixler, B-I-X-L-E-R, at gmail.com. I'm just playing on me, too, so I get that completely. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Jesus bless you. Y'all have a great week. 
Thank you so much for tuning in today to Just Praise Him Radio. You can contact me by mail at my new address, JPH Inc., Glenda Lomax, P.O. Box 60, Glencoe, Arkansas, 72539, or by email at jphtoday at gmail.com. JPH is not affiliated with any nonprofit organization, church, or denomination. Have you ever gone through a time in your life where suddenly it just felt like your whole life was falling apart? I call these experiences the wilderness experiences. Wilderness experiences are a time of great uncertainty and change. Uh, there are times when our faith is tried and refined. After many experiences, the Lord spoke to me to write The Wilderness Companion, which is a virtual roadmap through the desert times of your life. Find out why you've been led to the wilderness. Find out what the biggest hindrance is to receiving provision in the wilderness. Find out what the seven temptations of the wilderness are. Drastically cut the time you spend in the wilderness by learning how to partner with the Lord instead of working against Him. Every Christian needs to read The Wilderness Companion. It's by Glenda Lomax, and it's available on Amazon.com or WingsOfProphecy.com. Amazon.com, The Wilderness Companion by Glenda Lomax. Sidewalk Flowers, Volume 1, is a collection of 58 short, inspirational readings that will uplift, comfort, and encourage readers from every walk of life. Sidewalk Flowers includes inspirational tales and topics taken from the lives of everyday people who exhibited extraordinary wisdom, kindness, and courage while traveling the sidewalks of life. Get your copy of Sidewalk Flowers, Volume 1 today, available in print and new audiobook. Sidewalk Flowers, Volume 1 by Glenda Lomax, available on Amazon.com, in print or new audiobook. There is no one on earth who has not been wronged at some time in their life. Everyone has a story to tell. Everyone has been hurt by someone. The pain you have suffered does not make you special. It is what you do with that pain that sets you apart. Life can make you bitter or it can make you better. You choose. The only difference between the two is the I 